May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Back in October, we here at Christ Church had a visit from our friend, Dr. Edith Namulema. Dr. Edith is the director of the Mango Hospital HIV AIDS Clinic in Kampala, Uganda. Dr. Edith is a great force of joy and of energy. She's a world-changing human being. She's a pleasure and an honor to know. Under her direction, the HIV AIDS clinic has gone from a small operation that cares for a few sick patients to a massive undertaking that includes a children's Saturday clinic, a traveling nurses unit that brings care and education into neighborhoods and far-flung areas, and a maternal health clinic that brags of the lowest maternal fetal transmittance rate in the country, in the, in the country, which is lower than many American hospitals can brag. She operates this clinic in a country that has recently passed some of the most stringent anti-LGBTQ legislation in the world. Legislation that makes it not only illegal to be homosexual or trans, but also to associate with those who are. And the punishments for such are draconian. Now you might imagine that legislation of this kind could be devastating for an HIV AIDS clinic, considering that this disease has historically, all over the world, had a particularly profound impact on our gay community, our gay brothers and sisters around the world. And in many ways, it is devastating for them. There are people needing medical and mental health care that will not come to the clinic for fear of being exposed, arrested, disappeared. But in response to this legislation, Dr. Edith and her team have done a few things to counteract that fear. First, they've pet petitioned and received permission from the government to treat anyone that comes to them without legal repercussions to the clinic. Second, when they were here in Alexandria a few months ago, they sought out education on the rights and needs of the LGBTQ community to better understand how they can go back and serve that community at home. They had a fundraiser here in DC for their clinic, hosted by members of an LGBTQ rights uh, rights organization. Third, they are putting out the word through channels around Kampala that no one will be discriminated against within their clinic, that it is as safe a space as they can make it within their walls. This is a story of courage in the face of evil. Our Christchurch community has many, many reasons to be proud of our association with Mango Hospital. 
but to be in the same orbit as the brave and caring souls of the HIV AIDS clinic is a privilege we cannot take lightly, and I thank God for it regularly. Dr. Edith and her team's courage came to my mind when I read Luke's nativity story for about the millionth time a couple of weeks ago. It's so easy to read this story with the Christmas pageant scene in mind. The sweet young couple, fresh hay in the feeding trough, fluffy goofy sheep, barn animals, angels singing Gloria all around them. And it's a good and comfortable story when we read it like that. But that's not the only story Luke's words contain. And to boil it down to only and always, this gentle, far away narrative strips it of the power it contains. Because throughout the story we hear tonight, the story of the nativity, God invites us not only to look at and admire that sweet baby in the manger surrounded by loving parents and adoring attendants, but we are also instructed to participate in the inbreaking of God into this broken world. Beginning just a few weeks ago, we heard about John the Baptist stomping out of the woods, not just to tell people about the coming of Jesus, but to instruct them to prepare for his coming with our hearts, with our lives. We've heard about Joseph, his sleep interrupted by an angel, instructing him not just to know with his head that the Messiah is coming, but to assist in bringing him into the world. Joseph is to raise him, to teach him, to love him into adulthood. We've heard in these weeks Mary's resounding, here am I, in response to a heavenly messenger's news that she was to bear the Christ child, giving her whole body, her whole life, her whole soul to God's entrance into the world. My dear friends, we inhabit a world that is glorious. It's full of beauty and kindness and generosity. It's infused with wonders great and small. And at the same time, it is full of pain and frustration. It is fractured and it is abused. God's choice to join us here as a vulnerable human baby was a choice to experience all of it, the beauty and the pain, to know what we feel when we see the sunrise over the ocean, to know what we feel when we hear the news that our closest friend has died. God came to participate in the full spectrum of human life and invite us to participate fully as well. 
My dear friend and fellow preacher, the Reverend Martha Stern, once said, we are not here as audience. We are meant to participate in this world exactly as it is, exactly as we are. The instructions that are given throughout our scriptures by God and by the angels and by Jesus himself are all action words. Love your enemies, welcome the stranger, give to the poor, pray without ceasing. We're not created here to be passive observers of creation, but active, making, lifting, building. Sometimes we do the work of dismantling what has gone wrong and then rebuilding it stronger, kinder, healthier. And of course, in order to do all of this, in order to do any of this, we have to heed the words of the angels to the shepherds. Words angels have spoken to countless generation of our biblical kin. Do not be afraid. The shepherds had good reason to be afraid, of course because whenever messengers from God have shown up in the past, big things have happened. Wars were won or lost, empires were built or fell. Angels, you may remember, had four faces and multiple pairs of wings. Angels were not cherubic and blonde and rosy and feathery. They were terrifying, as our shepherds tell us. So you better believe those shepherds were afraid. They were afraid for their lives. Our fears are designed to keep us safe, to keep us from venturing into situations in which we will be harmed or harm will come to those we love. Fear by itself is not necessarily a bad thing but fear that stops us from participating in a world that God is inviting us to create with him, that fear is dangerous. In order to partner with God, we must name our fears. We must face them head on and then decide ourselves that we are going to be stronger and better that we are going to be more loving, that we are going to listen to the messengers of God around us telling us we have work to do. And we can, we can do this. Our nativity story, the story of God's incarnation, God's becoming flesh with us, reminds us that that self-same God that created the heavens and the oceans and the earth and the land, every grain of sand at every single beach and every scale on a minnow, that God chose to be here, chose to join us in the messiest way possible as a vulnerable, soft infant born from a mother in the natural way. That God sent messengers to the shepherds, not to the princes, not to the priests, 
but to those who herd the animals, who live outside, who have limited education and even more limited manners. God sent terrifying messengers to those guys to say, do not be afraid. But they also said this, I bring you good news, good news of great joy for all people. To you is born this day in the city of David, a savior who is the Messiah. In this pronouncement, the angels gave the shepherd an assignment. Put aside your fear and go see this baby and then go tell the whole world around about it. Anyone who will listen to you, we are giving you news for everyone. Go spread it. And those rough shepherds made a choice. It was a hard choice, a fearful choice, but they made a choice. They gathered up their sheep and they hustled off to Bethlehem they tromped into that stable and they gazed at the tiny, vulnerable God lying in the hay. They overcame their fear and they became the first evangelists, not Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, but those rough shepherds, the first ones amazing everyone they told with this strange and wondrous news. Back to my friend, Dr. Edith. She is a remarkable woman. She's a healer and a mover and a shaker. And no one would have blamed her for saying, I cannot put myself and my team in danger. We'll make our clinic smaller. We won't risk making the government mad. And we'll put our abundant energy elsewhere. But instead, she heard those angels saying, do not be afraid. God needs you to participate in creation and recreation, in healing, in loving. And so she does. We are not all at all times and in all places required to put our lives and our livelihoods at risk, but we are required to participate in the healing and recreation of the world in partnership with a loving and active God. We are required to have the courage to proclaim in word and in deed the good news of God's inbreaking and to participate in it. We are not here as audience. We're not just passive witnesses. We are the recipients of the angel's proclamation, terrifying and also true. We are the children of the incarnate God, tiny and vulnerable and unbelievably powerful. I'm gonna to close tonight with words from one of my very favorite theologians, Howard Thurman himself a child of God who chose courage in the face of evil and violence. In this short prayer, Thurman summarizes for me what it looks like when we choose to break the chains of fear 
and take our place as partners with God in ushering in a new way of being. And so let us pray. When the song of the angels is stilled, when the star in the sky is gone, when the kings and princes are home, when the shepherds are back with their flocks, the work of Christmas begins to find the lost, to heal the broken, to feed the hungry, to release the prisoner, to rebuild the nations, to bring peace among the people, to make music in the heart. Amen.